Hi, this is Dawn Shrew, and this is my podcast, Dance with Bipolar. Well, today, nearing the end of Mental Health Awareness Month, we have special guest Jordan O'Halloran. Jordan is an author of the young adult thriller Clean Up on Aisle 3. So I've been looking forward to this interview with Jordan and just want to um, tell you that if you don't win the copy of the book, that it is a book that is definitely worth going out and purchasing. Um, so let's have Jordan um, come on and explain why this book is so amazing. So without further ado, Jordan O'Halloran. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm okay. How are you? Doing really well. Really well for a pretty hot Arizona day so far. So I'm um, I'm doing super. Um, so I already gave the audience a little bit of an intro um, as to who I'm talking to, so, so they know uh, who you are. But let's start this out simple with just a brief bio of uh, who you are. Okay, so um, my name is Jordan O'Halloran. I live in Northern California. Um, I'm bipolar, obviously. Um, I recently self-published my first novel, um, I work at a nonprofit by day, but I wish that writing could be my full-time career, but not yet. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm a typical California girl. I love the ocean. <laughs> um, I hate heat. So when you were saying Arizona's getting hot, that just makes me super uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. um, that's pretty much it. Okay. So you just mentioned that you do um, have bipolar. So um, do you have bipolar one or bipolar two? Or are you mixed or what is your diagnosis? So that's so funny you asked me that because the community like that I've met with people that are bipolar has been so welcoming. And that's honestly always the first question I'm asked. And I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I was by, I've been diagnosed twice. And so I've done like research into what one I'm am and I feel like it varies day to day. So I really don't know. <laughs> that's that's honest. Cause you know, actually I didn't realize that there was different forms of bipolar up mm -hmm. until about a year and a half ago when I wrote a course for it. And then I was like, Oh my goodness gracious. I didn't know there was so many different forms, but like bipolar one um, is generally, I think with the mania, you're up on the higher end of it. And then the bipolar two is the one where you fall into the depression more and have much less manic manic. If not, it's the reverse, but I think that's the right way it goes. Um, so when were you, when were you originally diagnosed with your bipolar disorder? So I was diagnosed as a child. Um, and on my dad's side of the family, a lot of the people have mental health conditions. And so my dad was like, Nope, not my kid. Nope. She's good. Okay. She's fine. <laughs> And so yeah. it was completely swept under the rug. Um, and then when I was 20, I had a psychotic break um, where I didn't know what my name was or who anyone was. Um, and I went to a mental hospital for about three weeks. And when I was there, they diagnosed me again. And it totally made sense. Like, everything and I was like why didn't someone tell me sooner and my dad like made it slip like oh yeah you were diagnosed as a kid we kind of already knew and I'm like 
what the hell oh. you you knew this whole time oh and my so, god yeah and so knowing that like at 20 was good for one thing because I was able to like get medicated and stuff but like I kind of this is gonna sound really depressing but like sometimes I kind of mourn a lot of my childhood because mm -hmm. I was so sad and I didn't know why mm -hmm. um and I'm doing better now like I've taken my medication stably for almost six years now which is a big deal for me it really is I was gonna ask you about that in a little while we'll, we'll get back to that but no that's huge to say compliant on your meds is is huge yeah, but I wish that I would have had them as a kid, but you know what? I can't think that way. So I'm here now. <laughs> right. But. I mean, you can, you can think that way, though. I mean, it's it's legit because I wasn't diagnosed until I was 40. And then, um, you know, right? So I spent my whole childhood and teenage years, like, knowing there was something not quite clicking right in my head. But thinking it was just, you know, because you're probably super smart, too, because it tends to be, um, you know, a bipolar thing. And I'm not trying to categorize us, but you're probably super smart and see things, you know, in a different way. You think out of the box and all that good stuff. And as a kid, um, that kind of like sets you apart from other kids because they're all trying to color inside the lines. And you're like, what lines, you know, and you're like drawing in the margins and all that stuff. So, um, no, I totally get that. And I wish I had been diagnosed at um a much younger age because 40 was like oh wow so i mean it could have been better like all this time and so i totally get that um but at 20 were you in college when you had your psychotic break or was it just um you know were you just like you know, getting and all that good stuff no i was in college actually and so i went okay Hear me out. This is going to okay. sound really weird. But I went to this huge rave. Like, I don't know if you've heard of it. Electric yeah. Daily Carnival. It's this huge rave. It's like three days in Vegas. And I took drugs because that's part of the culture. Um, and it set off something in my brain that made me um, have a psychotic break. And I woke up the next day and I didn't know who I was or anything. Um, and I actually damaged two relationships I had with friends because I didn't know what was going on. And then after I was so medicated, I didn't know what was going on. So it was honestly kind of drug induced. Um, and then my parents, when I got out, um, were like, hey, you can either go to college again or you can move back home. Um, and my mom was an alcoholic and my parents had a horrible marriage. And I was like, hell no, I'm not staying here. So I went back to college and I graduated a year later somehow. <laughs> but well, you know, yeah, you appear to, I mean, you, I mean, you seem super smart and like, you know, so we're going to, I'm just going to jump into it. Then we can jump back into other questions. Um, so your main character in your book, Clean Up on Aisle 3, is Lucy McBride. And how much of Lucy is actually you? That's a very good question. Um, a lot of it, honestly. So I started, 
I like feel like I'm answering questions before you're asking them. <laughs> no, go ahead. I've got a I've got a list of questions and we can always cycle back. So no, please, I wanna I want people to know about the book without giving it away. And um now that you've answered a lot of like the pre-questions, like I do get how you could mirror Lucy in some way. So um I'm just really curious as to you know where the correlations come between that. Yeah, awesome. So I started this writing journey um, where I always wanted to be a writer as a kid. Like I was always fascinated with it. Um, and I figured, you know what, I'm just going to settle down and be a teacher because being a writer is unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And so I went through a lot of stuff with my mom and my mental health. Um, and so I started writing again a few years ago at a local writing workshop. And I was like, you know what? I have so much that I'm carrying, like that's anger at her and anger at my brain that I need to write something because it just was starting to eat at me and it was not healthy anymore. Like I wasn't sleeping and I was just like I was saying, I mourn those years that I didn't have. And I was like, you know, I need to put this into a story. And so Lucy honestly is like 99.9% .9 me. <laughs> so, so a lot of her is me. Um, there's certain things that are different, but honestly, not that much. Huh? Cause I really, as a character, like I really kind of fell in love with her. Like she's just so cool, you know, so cool. And like, but even in the face of, of the trauma, um, and I, I so don't want to give it away because I want people to go and get the book. Um, but there is a trauma. And if they like, if they can figure out what the title is all about, then they could probably figure out what the trauma is all about. Um, but like, you know, and I want to ask you this. So you mentioned like a lot of bands um, during the story, but they're not like, they're not like real bands. So where did you come up with, like, do you have a secret stash of band names that, like, you know, people could just be like? <laughs> Are you talking about, like, Glitter Tooth and stuff? Yes, yes, Glitter Tooth, yes. <laughs> so I'm a huge, like, 80s glitter band person. Like, I love, like, random band names. And so I just went through Spotify with ideas I had and I was like hey this isn't a band name I'm gonna go with this and then that's honestly how it happened um I've had a few people ask me if I'm a musician and I am not I don't even know how to read music so I'm sorry to say if someone wants to start a band named Glitter Tooth you got my full permission but they are not real <laughs> okay well there was another band too and I can't remember it was when um Lucy and her friend were coming or, or after going shopping for prom and um yeah and I can't think of the name of that band either but I was just like oh my gosh and then you actually had lyrics and stuff and I was like who 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 are these bands that she's like you know <laughs> so well, I'm, I, I, go ahead go ahead no, no go. you go ahead no 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 you I go say, I was really so there's a book called Daisy Jones and the Six um by Taylor Jenkins Reid which follows a band in the 70s um and they're all made up and she writes lyrics as well um and I was like you know I'd love to do something similar because music is just such a uniting force for all of us um and her more hers more dives into like bands like Fleetwood Mac and all of that which you can't beat Stevie Nicks but 
I was wanting to make it more relatable um, for like younger people because I'm obsessed with Halsey and stuff like that. But oh, man, I love Halsey. I've been trying. Oh my god, I would love to get her on this show so bad. And like, I actually approached her PR people. Oh my, like about a year and a half ago when she came out with um, I can't think of the name of the album now because my brain is like not functioning right. But. Yeah, yeah. And then she, you know, then she had a baby and all that good stuff. And she wrote that poetry book. And oh my gosh, it would be, I would love to get her on the show. So if you have any contact information for Halsey, I don't, but I love her just as much. I'm going to see her in June. Um, and I don't have a lot of friends that really like her, which is totally fine. So I'm going by myself and I've never done that. So a part of me is like really freaked out by it. But I'm also like, I'm just going to be that annoying girl by herself crying the whole show. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> crying and angry for her. And yeah, I mean, I actually, I know more, well, because of where I'm at right now. So a lot of the ladies are familiar with Halsey because she kind of hits that vein of, um, you know, desperate. I don't mean like, yeah, kind of like desperate love of the bad boy, you know, and, um, yeah, in mental health, I mean, she, the whole thing. So, yeah, we'll have fun. Okay, I'll be thinking about. <laughs> yeah, we'll send you pictures, please. <laughs> yeah, if, you get, if you get backstage with her, you've got to first of all, you have to bring a copy of your book for her, and then like drop the name of the of the podcast and be like, well, you can make two of us happy in one fell swoop. So, I mean, like, oh my oh, god, god, I would die. I don't right. think I can even talk. Like, hey. <laughs> Well, I mean, she's, she's, I know, right? She seems so down to earth, though. Like, in her poetry book, which I read quite a bit of it, was, um, you know, she's had some, she's had some serious damage go down, too. And, um, you know, you can see as an artist how she's working through it. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so, Halsey, we just gave you a huge shout out. Um, love you. Love you. <laughs> so, okay. So, um, yeah, glitter tooth. Um, all right. So, <laughs> so in the book, Lucy, um, so Lucy is on lithium, right? Lucy's on lithium in the book. Yes. Yes. And um, I think you... also, if I remember, if I remember correctly, she takes Lamictal as well. Um, I believe. I know there was another medication. I I read the book about a month ago. I think I hit you up when I was reading it, and um, so it's like I I rem- I just know it's a great, great, great book, and I want everybody to I encourage everybody to go buy it. Um. So we, we talked about meds a little bit and um, the compliance on meds. And Lucy was extremely good with her meds. Um, is that part of the 99% of Jordan or not? So when I first was diagnosed again when I was 20, I remember, no joke, getting out of the mental hospital and having like 20 different medications that I had to take. And yep. one of them was lithium. And I took lithium for oh gosh, about six months. And I just remember not feeling anything. Like I wanted to jump in front of traffic just so I could cry or something. Um, And it was like such a daze being on that drug. And so I stopped taking it um, with no one telling me that there's horrible side effects. Yeah, like death. So I stopped (laughs) taking it. um, And then... I finally found a psychiatrist that's not mine anymore, but I was just like, hey, listen, I don't want to take this much medication the rest of my life. Um, 
And so now I only take three psych meds. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm on three down from 15 a year ago. So in what, if you don't mind saying, what do you mean? yeah, it was, it was. Awesome. Yeah. I take, so I take Prozac, um, Lamictal, and Propanolol for my anxiety. Okay, so I'm pretty similar. I take Lamictal, I take Hydroxazine or Hydrox, whatever for anxiety, and then I take Risperidone for the um, for the hallucinations and stuff that you know sometimes pop up. Um, do you mm -hmm. experience that? Do you experience like pop up hallucinations, like auditory hallucinations, or anything like that? I mean, even on the medication, sometimes stuff is still like, oh no, you know, like uh, you know, and I have to like look around me to situationally see if other people are reacting to things and it's uh -huh. like oh, that's not real you know <laughs> it's like yeah um i don't really have i have hallucinations if i'm starting to become manic mm -hmm. um but it's usually also if i'm not sleeping very well um which my sleep goes in waves for sure um but not as much as i used to so yeah. no not really <laughs> Yeah, mine are generally induced by stress, and um, but I mean, I also last breakdown I had in the the past, you know, was, last breakdown I had was because I literally went off my meds, and I was in the middle of like this traumatic life events that were going on, and um, I just I literally just like I lost it. I mean, I I flat out lost it. I was hospitalized for three three weeks after that, and then um they ship me directly to this safe house living situation that I'm in now. And, um, you know, it's still tentative from time to time, you know, like the stress is still kind of like, Oh no, you know, and I got to like buckle down and white knuckle it sometimes. And that's honest. Like, you know, cause sometimes it's just like, if I slip this time, do I come back? You know, even though I'm not doing illicit drugs anymore and I am compliant on medication and I do sleep enough, you know, sleep is always going to be a problem, I think, but, um, you know, but what, what, um, so do you have sleep techniques that you like, I mean, this isn't even one of the questions, but let's just talk about it. Do you have sleep techniques that you use to help you actually get down when you're like, you know, going into manic? Yeah. So what I found was really helpful is I turn my phone on bedtime mode. So mm -hmm. I don't see blue light at night. Um, which has been helpful because I don't know about you, but like if I manic, I want to know everything about everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yep. I'm just scrolling through Wikipedia, like, hey, yep. tell me about the Pixar theory, or hey, let me research <laughs> tigers in um, Ghana. Like, you know, this totally is what I want. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like goat yoga was a really, really popular one for me for a while. And like, and I, and one of those funny is like next week, I'm actually interviewing a lady on the show about yoga. And in my notes, I put it like an asterisk, ask about goat yoga. <laughs> That's so funny. Where I live, we actually have goat yoga. Um, <laughs> it's so expensive. It's like 50 bucks for an hour, which yeah. I don't know. I'm like thinking maybe I'll save up and do it, but I think goats <laughs> smell really bad. So I don't yeah. know if yes. I want to handle like human sweat and goats. At Goat the same sweat. Time. <laughs> oh yeah. So maybe not. Um, maybe that's what the Yeti smell is. Like the, the big feet are actually out there doing yoga yeah. with goats. That's the stench that comes up. 
Funny. We never know. We never also found that I um buy a lot of herbal tea um and have some of that by my bedside while I'm falling asleep. Um I'm also really into audiobooks right now. Oh, okay. And that's like a really calming thing for me while I'm falling asleep of just visualizing a story um, while a- I fall asleep. Yeah. What are you listening to right now? It's called, oh my God. Uh, it's by Terry Goodkind. And it's a really long saga. Hold on. If I <laughs> close good. the app, will it end our call? Yeah, it will. So it's not that important. We can okay. you can hit me up with it later, and I can put it in the show notes. Um, yeah, okay. that's fine. Yeah, it'll totally it'll totally disconnect. Uh, Anchor is Anchor is wonderful. However, it's not Zoom. So <laughs> I don't. I actually don't like Zoom, truthfully. So sorry, Zoom, but I don't like it. Um, so they're getting enough money. Yeah, they're they're fine. Um, so 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 Lucy. In the book, Lucy goes through an extreme trauma, um, and it has to do with a loved one. I think I can say that much without giving the story away. And um, I really don't want to give it away, but it's like I don't want to give it away. But um, anyway, so, I honestly okay. think we can give a little bit of it away. All right. All right. So Lucy, Mc- all right, guys. So um, actually, do you want to tell you you tell as much as you want to tell, and then we'll get back to the question. Okay, so. I'll just give like a little summary of the book. So it centers around a teenager named Lucy um, who works at a grocery store um, who uh, goes to work one day to find the owner of the store dead on one of the grocery aisles, which is why it's called Clean Up on Aisle 3. And then the story kind of just centers around her uh, grieving that murder as well as just trying to figure out who she really is um, because she lives in Arizona and she wants to get out of there and move <laughs> to Seattle. And yep. the story kind of just follows her realizing that the people in her life aren't always what she needs. That's um, fair. Yep. I don't know if that's giving anything away, but no, I don't think so. That's pretty basic. Um, she has a cool boyfriend, um, really, really super dude. Wish I had one of those. And, um, you know, and, and she's got a, she's got a messed up, she's got a messed up family background. They're, um, a tad bit dysfunctional and, um, and she's got some really good, solid friends that, you know, don't like, you know, like they're real friends. They like, they mess with you sometimes, but then they always come back and they cycle back to you. And I think that's key. Um, I think that's key in, in our recovery from bipolar too, is to have that support system around us. And now you said like your family, so um, your family didn't really support your diagnosis as a child. However, when the diagnosis came at 20 and they gave you that ultimatum kind of seems like an ultimatum. Did they support you after that? Or did they just kind of like let you free fall? So I'm going to be totally transparent with you. My dad is a realtor in the Bay Area in San Jose, and I love him so much, but he has a very business-minded personality, and 
um, it was kind of more of like financial support. And mm-hmm. as grateful as I am for having like him help me pay for school and stuff, it was definitely difficult when there were days where I wanted to talk to someone. Um, and I was really private about my bipolar disorder. Um, I still kind of am. Um, and so I was wanting that kind of like family help and I didn't really ever get it um, because my mom was an alcoholic and really distant Um, and then my parents got divorced um, which kind of made things spiral out as well because my uh, mom when my dad told her he wanted a divorce was like said to me oh I can finally feel again and it was just one of those things where it was like what the fuck does that even mean? And so that was really weird. And then I have two brothers, which um, are a lot different than I am. And so I couldn't really connect with them either. So I was kind of just in this weird funk where let's focus on school and all of that, but didn't really feel like I had that many of like genuine connections with people. Because I felt like I was just like constantly masking. Yes. Um, yes. I can relate to that. So um, so you say that you still, I mean, we just kind of gave it away that you are bipolar. So, um, you know, it's like, but do you, you know, do you, are you there? I'm here. Okay. So do you still, I mean, so you wrote the book and now we know like Lucy is 99% you. So you're super cool chick. Um, so do you still, do you still find yourself masking even now that you've self-published this book? You've kind of outed yourself about it, you know, because like anybody you wouldn't, even if you did a whole bunch of research on bipolar and like you knew all the like technical terms and all the stuff like that, you still wouldn't be able to write it uh, with the emotionality and like actual like empathy towards it if you hadn't actually had it yourself so yes. right yeah and so when I was writing this I at first was like terrified like oh my god people are gonna like come to me and like tell me I've been a horrible friend because of my bipolar disorder and all that stuff because I don't know about you I go in like shame spirals where it's like I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want anyone to look at me or touch me for like months at a time. And it's never anything personal, but for someone that's not neurodivergent, uh, they don't get it. And so that's a hard thing for me. Um, but I wanted to be open about the disorder because it feels like there's a huge push in our society now where it's like, oh, it's okay not to be okay and all that. And it's like, no, like, it's really not. Because when I tell people that I'm bipolar, their first response usually is, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. It's I like, know, right? I no reason to be sorry because I, I love that I am bipolar, like, 80% of the time. Yep. Yes, eighty. Um, yeah, I go like eighty-seven percent of the time. But yeah, um, that's funny. We both work in numbers like that. That's it is funny because people are always like, "Why do you get percentages on everything?" And I'm like, "Because it matters." <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it's tangible. I can understand it that way better. <laughs> it yeah. Um, but so, I definitely do mask. Yes. 
So yeah. like I said, I work at a nonprofit. Um, and so I have to be professional. Um, so I mask that. And then with my partner's family, um, they're Mormon, which is totally oh, fine. Wow. But they don't fully believe in like mental illness and stuff like that. And so a lot of the time I have to just be like, yeah, I'm doing great. Works great. Everything's great. And yeah, that's definitely masking. That's masking. Yeah. yeah. Um, with some like old friends I have, sometimes I like feel the need to just be like, yeah, I'm great. But that's partially on me too. It's not them. You know, I mean, there's a form of protection that goes into it too, because like learned behavior of people judging and um, just the stigma that goes around having a mental health diagnosis anyway. And, you know, everybody assuming that we're like, um, you know, I'm just going to put out there like we're serial killers because that's like the 0.1% of people that actually get recognized as having bipolar disorder are the ones that go off the chain. It's not, and it is changing. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I mean, a lot of the sports stars coming out openly about it and like, even like Halsey or Britney Spears or, um, you know, even, um, uh, Justin Bieber, you know, coming and there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot, 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 but those are just the ones that come to mind right now that have been open about their anxiety and bipolar disorder and, um, you know, transgender issues and all it's actually not an issue, but transgender and, um, you know, stuff like that. And people are becoming much more open about these things that were taboo. You know, when I was growing up, I mean, mental health, that was somebody that was in a straight jacket, you know, locked away forever drooling on their, you know, on their, whatever they had them on. I don't, I want to say tramadol, but that's not what I want to say, but, um, but you know what I mean? So it's like, we've, we've come leaps and bounds in the past probably decade, but it's still not quite there yet. Those Hollywood images of like, say the shining and stuff like that are like forever just ingrained in people's heads. And we're, that's not, that's not what it is nowadays. That's not, that's not who we are. So, you know, your book is a great step and it, it is, you do have it as a young adult thriller, but honestly, as a 57 year old lady, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. And, um, I think that anybody could read it and actually get a little better understanding of what it is to be bipolar. Yeah, that's why I love young adult books, because they're accessible for everyone, for one. Um, and the genre is more fun for me. Like, I read adult fiction books sometimes, and I'm like, no one talks like this. Like, right. what is going on? And so I wanted to write YA because I think it's more fun. Um, because like the definition of YA is that you're in the driver's seat with the character and that's way more important. Yeah. I didn't actually know that. Like I always see, you know, young adult and I'm like, Oh, this is going to be like, you know, uh, Judy Bloom or like, you know, which, okay. Back in the day that was like everything, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's going to be, I don't know, hokey, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. And this, this is by no means hokey. I mean, it's well-written. Um, you actually use three syllable words. Um, you know what I mean? It's like, and it is extremely well-written and the story reads well. It's not like you're like, you know, all bouncy around and like, wait a minute, how does this fit into that? And I just don't understand what is going on. It's very fluid, I guess is a good way to put it. So, um, I really, really, really encourage y'all to go pick up a copy of Clean Up on Aisle 3 or 
when I finally get the thing up on the Instagram, win a copy, a signed copy of it by Jordan. Um, so I have to figure out the contest. I kind of, I kind of talked about it the other day, and then I was like, wow, I actually got to do this. So um, <laughs> everybody, I actually do have a signed copy for a lucky, a lucky listener. So um. And I think he's going to have to do something to do with the show, this show, to make sure that they actually listen to the show and just aren't trying to scam a free book. So it's like, <laughs> even though I don't mind putting it out there because it's a great book, but I want somebody who actually like listen to the show, um, get it. So um, what else do you have to promote? Do, are you, are you working on another book or are, do you have any um, other, um, you know, podcast interviews coming up or um, local TV or any of that good stuff? No, so this is the first podcast I've been on. So thank Yay! you so much. I was so nervous. I was like, okay, I'm gonna take deep breaths. It's gonna be okay. Um, so I've never been on a podcast before. Um, and then in regards to like other promotions, so I'm self-published. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started this journey, um, I actually won best fiction at a writers conference that I go to. And so when that happened. It was all downhill from there. I was like, oh, my God, people are going to buy my book. And I'm going to be all these agents are going to come to me and say, we want to make your book a movie. And like, it was like my mania was like in full swing. Like, (laughs) You're going to be so famous and you're going to have a Netflix movie. Like, (laughs) and everyone's going to love Lucy, like Laura Jean and to all the boys I've loved before. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be. I could actually see this becoming a movie, though. I mean, I literally could see this coming to the screen. So, you know, and you just this just came out what like uh, six, seven months ago. Is that about right? Yeah, December. Yeah. So you know, you got to give you got to give them time to um, you know, to read the book and be like, oh my gosh, this would be so great for such and such a person to play this character. And because I literally could see this. I mean, they they would they would do some you know. How, if you've ever written a screenplay it's like it's just very basic they wouldn't you know but um I could see that happening I could see it I happening would, I would love that um but I'm really impatient <laughs> oh, well you know you know yeah. how, once you start a movie in Hollywood you know it's like from beginning to end it's like a three-year like thing so you know but um do you have a and this is these aren't the last questions i have two more questions for you but do you have a website or something if people want to get a hold of you or if they want to um just tell you how amazing they think the book is or you know if they want to um hit you up to write a screenplay for you or have your netflix show or you know whatever um so people get so I do have a website I am so bad at going on there though so people can reach out to me on social media um they can like dm me or add me on there whatever um I'm pretty open at talking with people unless they're trying to like have me pay them for a review on Amazon oh my gosh I get so many of those messages like just pay me $300 and I'll advertise for you. And it's like, no, bro, like, no. So that's been a little frustrating, but uh, my handle is Jordan. So J-O-R-D-A-N, Jots, J-O-T-S, and then Joy, J-O-Y. And I'm on Instagram, Twitter. I have a Facebook. um, So people can reach out to me on there. I'm pretty quick at responding um she is 
<laughs> I'm always open to talking with people. Um, but yeah, being self-published, a lot of the marketing stuff is kind of hard for me because I'm an introvert that has spurts of wanting to talk with people like all day. Yep. And so I'm grateful that I am self-published because I didn't have to change my story at all. But another part of me is like, I wish that someone could like help me know what to do because I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. Yeah, I get that. I still feel like that, even though three years into the podcast and I'm still like, man, if I had a marketing team and if I had someone to do my social media for me and then I'm like, I would sell out. It wouldn't be what it is anymore. So you know, growth happens, you know, it, it happens. And, you know, when you write your second book or, you know, your, your trilogy, Ooh, a trilogy. Ooh, huh? You know, people are always asking me if I'm writing another one and I am, but it's a different story. And I don't, I'm really on the fence of writing another one of Lucy because it was so hard for me to be vulnerable in this book. Um, and a lot of people want to know more about the mom and I don't want to give someone so much attention that is such a perpetrator right, in the right. book. Yeah. So I don't know if I want to continue the story. I kind of just want people to take from it what they want. Um, so I'm really on the fence about it. No, I mean, that's honest. I mean, usually, I mean, I was going to be honest, like in a movie when they have like sequels and stuff like that, it's never as good as the first one. And then it sometimes actually takes away from how amazing the first one was because the next one is just so mediocre or just not up to the par of the first one. So no, that's, I mean, I, I totally respect that. That's, that's totally cool. Um, but is the next one just as a teaser, does it have anything to do with mental health or is it on a totally different vein? Yeah, so the book is about, I'll give a little bit of a summary. So it's about this girl that's a spy um, and her partner in being a spy, quote unquote, is actually her life partner, like they're together. Um, and she wakes up one day and he's dead. Um, and so she kind of like has a process of like self-discovery and stuff like that. And then lo and behold, he's actually alive. Um, oh. Yeah. And so I'm, so my plan is what I'm thinking is, is that I'm going to make her bipolar, but she's going to be diagnosed later in life and doesn't know. And so okay. it's going to be like a self discovery of what this guy really is, as well as her coping with the fact that she is bipolar and didn't know for a long time. Yeah, I could be your research for that because, like I said, it, it wasn't until I was 40. I'm 57 now, so it took a minute for um everything. And then, you know, I still wasn't compliant and I was just off the chain for a really long time. So um, if you ever need any research, just, you know, how to hit me up. So um, <laughs> oh, no, I definitely will. Yeah, okay. because I like writing about what I know because I've been wanting to write stories about like uh characters of color or like native populations and stuff like that because in california everywhere you're on native land and so i want to get yeah, arizona we're like right we're in navajo where i am in flagstaff it's part of navajo nation and then where i lived in lakeside was um where the largest apache tribe is white mountain apache so i totally understand that completely so yeah and, uh, that's and the I one go yeah, ahead go I was going to say, that's the one thing that I haven't, 
actually approached it on the show is to speak to a Native American with mental health to see how like that messes with, with like their cultural mores and all Ooh. that stuff, right? Because it's got to be different. And I, I just talked to um this guy Dustin Bailey. He's not this guy. He's actually my friend. He's like the um the the re the regional uh, I don't know the regional mental health champion for the Western region for Celebrate Recovery. And just hearing from a man's point of view how different it is with the standards of, you know, men not being weak and men always just, you know, like fighting things and everything and about how his struggle with bipolar happened. And uh, I'm finding it completely amazing, like how it's all the same, but it's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Dustin's interview, I, I interviewed him like, I think three shows prior to this one. Um, if if you're looking for character analysis for a dude, I actually I, I suggest you listen to that interview because he's very very transparent about it. And I actually I actually have a lady that is um, part of this place where I live at, and she is Native American and she is bipolar also, along with a whole ton of trauma that has happened to her over the past year. So I'm gonna try to get her on the show too, but it's gonna have to be like slightly anonymous because of the cultural mores that go around being a native american so well and um, all that generational trauma as well yes yes and that's huge i mean i i can't get into it i mean anyway you can probably well imagine having lived on you know native land and being around reservations that it's just it's it's traumatic just in itself so yeah well i mean and that's what i want to do is like i want to have a spotlight on them but i'm also <laughs> white so right. i don't right. want to Right. say anything that obviously isn't true or from my perspective and I also don't like giving people pity because no one really wants that either and so I think I'm just going to continue what I'm doing and hopefully it helps someone so yeah well I think you're doing a great job all right so I'm going to finish up with my last two questions because um where I'm living at they they're going to need me to come downstairs soon and finish laundry or something like that. (laughs) So um, my, my, okay. My first last question or my first last question is what has been the epiphany moment in your life so far? Epiphany moment. Oh man. Um, I think it is um, when I realized that nothing is ever personal. Oh, Ooh, that's good. Because as a person, I am extremely empathic and I notice cues. And I think that's part of being bipolar too, is like, I fucking feel everything. Mm -hmm. And so I've kind of realized more and more now that nothing's personal. That's good. That's good. I have to work on that one. Yeah, yeah, I got to definitely work because, well, I mean, I've gotten better at it, but still, it's like even just the stupidest things and I'll be like, they hate me. It's all, you know, and it's like, no, they don't hate you. They had a bug in their eye and they, you know what I mean? It's just like stupid stuff like that. Okay. And for um, our final question, drum roll, please. (laughs) How would you like to be remembered? Oh, gosh. Um. If you had asked me this like months ago, I probably would have been like, as someone that was there for everyone, because I'm such a people pleaser, but mm-hmm. I'm learning more and more that that's extremely exhausting and not always necessary. Right. Um, so probably just for showing up with honesty and um, authenticity. 
that's that fair. I never show up as someone that's not me. I love that. And that's what I like to hear. That's that's why you're part of the posse. So um <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yes. Well you can you get you get one of the lead ponies in the posse. How's that? We'll Ooh. give you a yeah, we'll give you Spiker. We'll give you Spiker the Mustang. How's that? And you can ride you can ride up front. Um <laughs> okay, cool. So um I mean, I could ask you tons more questions, but um, this is this is a pretty good length, and people start to bug out after about like an hour. So I want people to listen to the whole interview and, and not bug out on it. So um, I'd love to have you on again when you um get the next one, you know, completed or halfway through or whatever, and you want to start promotion on it. Absolutely, hit me up, and um, I'm looking to self publish my book, so I will be hitting you up. Yeah. We can have, we can well, have another time. Too is that um, you were asking what's coming up is that I'm gonna start doing beta reading and like editing and stuff like that, so people can reach out to me for that as well. Um, I'm obviously not gonna make it free, but I will make it something that people can afford. Okay, cool. So, yeah, so, hit, her up, hit her up on Insta and go follow her. And um, like I told you guys the other day, I'm going to run the um, the contest for the book through Instagram. And um, now that I've talked to you, I think I can better figure out how we're going to, how, how we're, yeah, how I'm going to, um, you know, put this down so that it's somebody who actually listened to the show and um, knows how super cool you are. Awesome. So you're welcome, Jordan. So um, for your debut, you did fantastic. And um, I'm super proud of you. So um, thank you. You're welcome. So thank you for making me your premier podcast. And uh, when you're famous and you're um, on your Netflix show, just remember Dancing with Bipolar and we'll be good to go. <laughs> Palsy and Dancing with Bipolar. You just breathe that into life right there. So um, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, thank right, you so much. Big love to you. Yes, indeed. And um, have a wonderful day and uh, keep being cool and uh, rock that glitter tooth. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Jordan. Thank you so much. Of course. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>